Hello, and welcome to The Unique CPA. I'm your host, Randy Crabtree. The goal of our show is to keep you at the forefront of the changing face of public accounting by having conversations with fascinating leaders and bringing you their stories, insights, and advice. The Unique CPA podcast is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is Tom Gorzinski. Tom is a nationally recognized speaker, educator, and writer on all things federal tax. He is uh, an enrolled agent, a certified tax planner, a National Tax Practice Institute fellow. I'm going to keep this list going. A certified (laughs) tax resolution specialist. And what I find very interesting, has been admitted to the bar of the United States Tax Court as a non-attorney. Tom practices in Phoenix, Arizona, and he focuses on implementing advanced tax reduction strategies and representing taxpayers with complex tax problems before the IRS in the United States Tax Court. Tom, welcome to the Unique CPA. Hi, Randy. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, I'm looking forward to this discussion today. Uh, We've been together at some conferences in the past, but the most recent time was San Diego just this past October, right? Yeah, we were both at the annual meeting for the American Institute of Certified Tax Planners. I'm pretty involved with them. I'm a certified tax planner myself, and I know you do a lot of partnering with us on various tax credit issues. So it was a really great event. It was a great event. It was nice to be out and about again. I actually got out for a while. But at that event, you and I had talked in the past, but at that event, you actually emceed a a panel where Mm -hmm. a bunch of us who had done presentations for the event sat on a panel at the end. And and during this emceeing, you were asking various questions about taxes and all the topics. and, And I was completely impressed with the knowledge. So I thought, hey, I need to talk to Tom further and see where all this knowledge comes from and, and, and what he does with it. So, so today I thought that's what we do, get an idea. I've done some research, obviously, on you and, and get an idea of what it is you do. But why don't you give us the couple minute rundown of what it is your practice is, because it's not a typical tax practice. No, I, and my, my career trajectory in the tax world is definitely not the norm, but it's an example of how you can make a career in this industry work really for you in the way you want. I started out really basic H&R Block. That's how I got started in tax. I actually had a different career before tax in higher education. Once I learned I like tax, I left that career full-time and I started working in tax. My, My initial couple of years in tax was done actually at tax controversy law firms So working with attorneys and other enrolled agents and CPAs, trying to help people with some really severe tax issues, usually self-inflicted, but sometimes (laughs) not always. And then at that time, I was started my own business doing returns. Once I decided I didn't want to work for others anymore, I took my practice full time. I passed the exam to represent people in the United States tax court as a non-attorney. And once that happened, I started doing some speaking and then the education piece of my business uh, really took off. And frankly, that's why I do a lot now is the education, but I do maintain a tax practice. I have a small number of tax clients that I service every tax season. I do some planning work here and there as the opportunities open up. I do a lot of work occasionally representing taxpayers, both in tax court and with the IRS and also helping other tax professionals help their clients with their tax matters. So I really have a kind of a diverse portfolio at this point. 
Yeah, it's 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 so cool to see to see what you're doing because I people have listened to the show before know that uh, I would assume though that I'm very uh, big on building a niche and and you have mm-hmm. a unique niche and your niche is kind of broken into a few different areas really it's the way I look at it. I mean you don't have to have just one niche you have a niche of education right obviously that's important to you and and you there's a few different ways that you have the newsletter Tom talks taxes. Is that yep. it? All right. TomTalksTaxes.com. It's a Substack newsletter. It is free to anybody who wants to join. All right. All right. And I've uh, I have been looking at Tom Talks <laughs> Taxes, so I appreciate that. So we've got the newsletter that says education. Then you do a bunch of you know webinars and speaking mm-hmm. at events and all that. So you've got that education niche. You've got the IRS representation niche, the tax court, which I'm going to want to expand on on that as well. And then probably the mentoring niche that you have this inner circle, I would call that probably mentoring. And maybe you call it something else, mentoring a good form in your inner circles where you interact with other tax preparers. So so maybe we'll expand on on those areas is, is when you look at those three, and if I miss one, let me know. Right. Uh, all right. But if we look at those three areas, is one of those hold a bigger passion for you than the others? It's tough to say. I mean, the education piece, you know, I never intended it initially to become the biggest piece of what I've, I, I do, but it has become that because it's just where I think my skill set lies naturally. And a lot of people value the information I'm able to distill for them. So at this point, you know, writing classes, teaching, helping others with help their clients, uh, that's kind of where my passion is now. I still, though, of course, love working with taxpayers one-on-one, especially when it comes to helping them resolve IRS issues or helping them save tax long-term. When you have a robust education business or, or practice like I do, I can only help a certain amount of taxpayers. And so, I'm one that doesn't believe in working 60 hours a week. I'm more of a, let's work a normal schedule. And so I put boundaries on my practice. I never will let it grow past a certain length or a certain size because I'm just not able to, to help people to that extent with everything else I have going on. I'm really big into setting boundaries appropriately so that you can have life in addition to your work. Right. No, I think that's big as well. With that education, you're you're obviously, I think, is the feeling I get talking to you and, and listening to you is you're always on top of what are the no, most current issues and coming out from the IRS, coming out from Congress, coming out with tax law, coming out with legislation. Research with with a, a forty hour work week, which you know I try to work less than that, but with a, <laughs> a forty hour work, actually I've been working quite a bit this year. With a forty hour work week, I mean, do you dedicate certain times of the day where you're researching? How do you how do you schedule that? And obviously, to back up a second, this is the unique CPA in CPAs right. generics. CPAs, tax preparers, EAs, EAs in general, you know, our, our whole goal is to help CPAs, help tax preparers with education. So your research is a big help. Let's talk about that. Do you segregate a certain part of the day or, or just as things come out or how do you handle research in general? Yeah. You know, I try and spend at least a half an hour to an hour each day reading up on things, keeping tabs on what's going on. Of course, if something major is happening, I may devote an entire half of a day or a day doing that research on that topic, especially if I'm doing a class on that. But for the typical tax professional in practice, you know, one of the first EAs that was a mentor of mine when I got into the field said was, 
he spent every day at least half an hour reading up on tax law changes, tax law news to keep abreast of what was going on in the profession and keeping up to date. And I totally agree with that. I think for us to be the best that we can be for our clients, we need to set aside a time every day or at least every other day, just keeping in touch with what's going on and furthering our education. We can't just rely on, you know, once a year doing a six to eight hour update class and calling it a day. I think this profession calls us to being constant learners, especially with everything that's been going on with new guidance from from the IRS, new laws from Congress. It has to be something that's done on a continual basis. Yep. And then once you get that knowledge, then let's go into those ways that you support other tax preparers with that knowledge you have. And, and maybe, you know, what's what are the, some of those ways? Yeah. So I have my Tom Talks Taxes newsletter, tomtalkstaxes.com. I, I usually publish an edition at least weekly. And that's basically a newsletter that covers federal tax topics. It's directed to tax professionals. Also, I list any kind of events I'm doing. So if people are interested in knowing about any of those, those are always included as well. But it's just a general education newsletter. Uh, I really enjoy doing it. I also have a weekly group, a mastermind group, which is the Inner Circle with Tom. And you can innercirclewithtom.com. And that's where I meet with small groups of tax professionals on a weekly basis to help build their practice, help answer technical challenges or questions, or we just have discussions about what's going on in their practices or in the field, and they get mentorship and support. And so those are the main ways that I actually am helping tax pros. I also have a webinar company, Compass Tax Educators, where we do extensive online education all year long for anybody who's looking for it. The thing with me is, I mean, so you have a niche of of tax education. With me, I have a niche of especially tax. So my niche is a lot mm-hmm. smaller. I can dig deeper into things. That's what right. I'm thinking. You must have to spend, I mean, you're looking at all tax topics, right? Well, the one thing I learned early on, if I don't know something, I need to be honest and upfront about that and, and don't give advice on it until I've researched it. So for, you know, if someone asks me an obscure tax credit question, or I'm not going to teach on that topic unless I'm well-versed in it. So the key is just to know your boundaries and to know your limits and to stay in that lane. I mean, we all can grow in our knowledge and experience, but that's more, in my opinion, of a proactive thing that we need to do. I feel a lot of times tax professionals We'll have clients with, you know, kind of weird situations and they try and fumble their way through figuring it out for the client to help them out. But sometimes it may be in an area we're just not familiar with. And sometimes a referral out even makes sense. You know, cryptocurrency is a perfect example of that. If I had a client, a potential come to me with very sophisticated cryptocurrency transactions, I know about cryptocurrency, but not to that extent. But I have people in my network that I know and trust who are crypto experts, right? And I can refer them out that way. And so I think one of the benefits of the tax community is we all have our niche. And sometimes a client's better with a colleague who has that niche versus someone like me who might have a general knowledge of the topic, but hasn't delved deeply into it. Man, you and I think exactly alike. I am (laughs) completely on board with you. I talk about that as well. It's like, 
as tax preparers in general, we just have to know what exists. We have to right. do some research, but we, we can't know everything. I mean, I no. can't, I'm not going to be a, and I don't even know what the rules are, if this even exists anymore, obviously, but the LIFO expert, I'm just not going to be, or I'm not going to be, you know, an expert on partnership taxations, but right. I know there's things there. And, and so knowing who is that expert and having that ability to outsource that or, or refer that out to someone else, I agree completely. And I, I, I love when I hear people say that. So, so we're on the same wavelength yeah. here. Well, you know, I think, I think ultimately we have to be aware that we have to look in the client's best interest. And so sometimes that means we have to refer the client out. If we don't have the knowledge or capability to help the client, we're actually hurting them by keeping them on just to keep the revenue. I really do believe when you, when you put out that you refer clients that need help out, then people might refer people to right. you when they need your help. So I think it really is a, is a win-win. All right. And then let's talk about that, that, that last, well, maybe it's the last, the last step in that, how you're supporting the tax preparer and that's IRS representation, whether it's, I'm assuming in an audit, uh, in an appeals or even in tax court. So give me a little background on, on how you support the tax preparer through that. And maybe an example, yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear about tax court at some point too. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, since I passed the exam and got admitted to the bar of the tax court in 15, you know, I've handled probably dozens of cases at this point, some of them relatively small, some of them larger, knock on wood, no trials yet. I've gotten favorable settlements in, in almost and actually all of them at this point. But, you know, I love representing people in tax court because, first of all, you know, obviously most people don't want to go to or have to pay for an attorney to represent them, because that could be an a expensive proposition for a controversy that's not that large. I, I'm not saying I don't get paid well to do it, but it's not going to be the same as an hourly billed attorney. The type of cases I handle kind of are all over the map. And usually my tax court cases, I would say 50% find me through various mediums and directly engage with me. And probably the other half are referrals from tax pros who you know, don't practice in tax court, but their client needs help. I've done quite a few cases recently on the foreign earned income exclusion. It's been an area of IRS scrutiny. I find it challenging sometimes that the position the IRS takes in litigation in that, but ultimately, you know, good facts do win out. I had an interesting self-directed IRA case where an IRA held timber in Costa Rica. Huh. That was a very interesting case as well. Myself and the IRS attorney both were like, we don't know what to do with this. You want to split it down the middle with no penalties? I'm like, my client's okay with that. Sounds good to go. <laughs> and we just settled it on that basis because it was it was a very strange fact pattern. Right. Just All put right. it that way. So, But you see a lot of really interesting things. Um, the tax court, act, I find, is actually much more efficient to get a resolution from, for many taxpayers than administrative IRS these days because really? of just how backlogged and how there's so many staffing challenges at the service. Yeah. I actually have a feeling that they may just pa pass it on to that next level yeah. at the administrative level just because of that. So yeah, no, IRS is uh, very understaffed at this point. And with everything that's gone on the last two years, it's just pushed them so far behind. It's uh, oh, yeah. I don't envy them at all. Um, they have a hard job to do. 
So uh, before we uh, wrap up with a couple of final things, anything I missed on that whole, I mean, that we know you can support the, the tax preparer in, in, you know, in tax court or in audits or any, any, you know, significant issues that come up on a tax return, your inner circles out there, uh, your education, anything I missed? No, I think you hit it. You know, I think the key is just my goal is to make myself available so that other tax professionals can get the support they need. And so if there's something I can do to help, I'm always willing to consider it. Okay, then then we'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, one thing I like to do at the end of these, because we get into the weeds on taxes and, and other things is, you know, you're not just the tax research expert. What does Tom like to do when he's not having taxes on the brain? Do you have a passion outside of work? One of the things I've been doing actually since the pandemic started is I've been getting more into wine and wine collecting, something I had never done before. But you know, pandemic, yep, alcohol, you know, you know how it <laughs> goes. Go together. Right? So I've been I've been getting more into kind of understanding wine, trying different varieties, collecting some bottles. I'm trying this whole aging thing. I it's interesting. So it's it's kind of a new hobby I've been doing. I also do a lot of travel, not just for work but also for fun as well. And so like when the pandemic hit last March or right, two Marches yeah, ago, I don't remember. Yeah, I, was in Ho- I was in Hawaii when, when everything went down. And, you know, one of the nice things about uh, post-pandemic life is I've been trying to get out more and, and, and use this opportunity to travel because when you can't travel, you then recognize, hey, wait a minute, I actually, this is something I want to do. And so I've been trying to proactively schedule more trips and more seeing more of the world. I recently just drove from my parents' house in New Jersey back to Arizona, where I live from Christmas, just so I could stop and see people I know along the way, had a really fun time. Glad to hear that. And now I know what Tom likes outside of, uh, and I'm guessing you like research too. I can just tell that for sure. And, and, and I know you have a passion for that. So, so let's, let's wrap this up with, if anybody does want to reach out to you, they just have questions. They want to pick your brain. They want to get involved in the inner circle. They need representation. They want to see your webinars. I can go on and on with the things. Yeah. You do. How would uh, people uh, get a hold of Tom? If they go to my website, which is www.gorzinski dot tax, G-O-R-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. There's basically links to everything that we discussed there. There's also an ability to book a consultation with me if you need to discuss anything, whether it's a client issue or whether you want to talk about referring workout or, or whatever you need to discuss, there are, are booking links there. All right. Well, that's awesome. I appreciate that. It's uh, I assume those links will be in the show notes, I guess, as the host of this. And we're about 60 shows in <laughs> now. I should really know that. Right. Um, but I'm very fortunate. That I have a good team that helps me out on this. <laughs> and I'm sure they have that. So all those links should be in the show notes. Uh, so, Tom, I really appreciate you being here. And it's great to see you, even if it's over Zoom. Yeah. And thank you, Randy. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yep. And I want to thank everybody for listening today. Thank you for joining us today. And you can find all the links and show notes for today's episode, as well as more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and join us for our next episode, where we'll be going beyond compliance into forging new pathways of delivering value to clients, diversifying your revenue streams, and leading edge management techniques and styles. This has been a production of Twin Flame Studios.